You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. Standing your ground in the day of evil. Um, Rach told me that she wanted me to talk about peace, and I'm going to get there. But first, I, I think it's it's really significant that we work with reality. My journey with Christ has always been about bumping into the reality of um, what God wants me to understand next. As I read the scripture, as I travel the world in my connections with the Mennonite Central Committee, which is the large relief and development agency that we are all a part of, if you give us any money, some of that goes off every month to the relief, development, and peace work of MCC all around the world. And so I want to weave those stories together, a little bit of reflection from the scripture. I'm going to talk more about this Ephesians passage. Obviously, my title is drawn from it, Standing Your Ground in the Day of Evil. Um, as many of you know, I'm a psychologist, and uh, these are not easy days for me. Um, because people are very triggered by the uncertainty that surrounds us, given the tenor of our national picture right now. Our conversations are full of anxiety. And so I hear about that day in and day out in my office. Um, Rod and I were outside of the U.S. for a couple of weeks back in June, and I decided to just let myself be gone. We were not checking on the news in the U.S. Um, and when I returned then, after that two weeks, uh, two weeks and a couple of days, I slammed right into the crisis happening at our borders related to the separation of families. Um, I deal with people who are processing trauma sometimes two, three, four, five decades later. And so to learn about children and parents being separated was heart-wrenching for me. A few days after coming back into this controversial conversation across our country, I was scheduled to take a trip with MCC to Douglas, Arizona to pray at the border wall. And so I want to tell you a little bit about my reflection and what I learned at the border and how I've been trying to understand what God might be doing, how he meets me, even when I don't know what he's doing. Um, so I've been asking myself and trying to hear from God about how to stand my ground, um, particularly in days like ours when the evil seems so strong. In fact, <laughs> feels like it's winning a lot, huh? So like I say, a few days after returning from being overseas, I traveled to the U.S.-Mexico border um, with the MCC board. Prior to the crisis, we'd actually had this trip planned for a long time, and so we were there right in the middle of all of the discord. Um, this is my friend Ruth from the board. She's praying there at the wall. 
in June in Douglas, Arizona, and all along that long border of desert, it is hot. As a matter of fact, it was so hot that my friend Gabby's toenail polish melted inside her shoes. I didn't even know that was a possible thing, but that's how hot it was. The term the U.S. government uses for it is lethal. Many years ago, the wall was strengthened at all the lowlands where there's more vegetation, more people, more water, more shade. The logic was that at these easy access points, we needed to beef up the wall, add more border patrol, and drive people who were trying to cross out into what the U.S. government calls the lethal desert. It sure seemed lethal to me. Um, we, uh, we held a vigil at a graveyard that contained the bodies of people, people both named and unnamed who had died while attempting to cross the border into the U.S., for me, the sorrow just sort of seemed to build up even as the sweat was pouring down and the discomfort was accumulating on the outside of me. Mark Adams of Frontera de Cristo, one of the MCC partners that's been working along the border for more than 20 years, was talking to us, and it was Mark that pointed out this passage of Ephesians in particular. And I want to talk more about that that we do not war against people, but must remember that our fight is with evil. Mark spoke of the border patrolmen that he knew and the struggle they experience. In fact, he typified the work that they do as soul killing. And so our struggle, let me read the passage, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. It feels evil out there in the heat and the brutality of the desert. Doesn't it also feel evil to you right around here on many days? Back in the 90s, the NAFTA agreement was passed under President Clinton. And what NAFTA resulted in was that the small farmers, many of them in Central America, could no longer sustain themselves with their subsistence farming. The strong impact of NAFTA, of NAFTA forced rural people and farmers to migrate to the U.S. because the way the treaty worked and how it resulted was that local crops, local food production, no longer was economically sustainable. Now add to that problem the pervasive control and influence of the drug cartels of the Mexican borderlands. We are the market for those cartels, by the way. And the local economies then, as I've mentioned, in Central America, for these people, home became lethal. 
And so in desperation, they attempt to cross the lethal desert. So this is Rod and I on our two weeks out of the country. We were in Greece following the Apostle Paul around. We saw lots of ancient ruins like those. One of my favorite moments, though, and this carried me when I was in the desert, I think it answers some of this question about what do we do? How do we stand in this evil day? So we were in Thessaloniki, where some good friends of Bobby and Christina took us out to dinner. And remarkably, we, we didn't even dent half of what they purchased for us to eat and didn't eat the next day. But anyway, so we're in Thessaloniki, what you remember as Thessalonians, right? The, the letter that Paul wrote to them. Thessaloniki is still a thriving city, and in the center there's the ancient city, and the walls are still there, crumbled in some places, but in this one particular spot that we found, right in the spot where they say, traditionally, that Paul was lowered over the wall in a basket in order to escape the governing body of his time, the authorities that were after him. So they lower him over the wall, and there's this little Byzantine chapel there to commemorate that. And so Rod and I went in and we sat down. And I was looking at this icon of Jesus. And I'm, I'm expecting you know a similar experience where your mind knows something that you've known for a very long time and yet you feel like you can't quite get around the fullness of it. And that's what that experience was like for me. I was feeling so grateful for the incarnation of Christ, that Christ was came, that he visited, that, that, that God became human and walked among us to die, to teach, to die, to love, to rise again, to leave the spirit. And I, I'm sort of waiting and trying to let my mind get to the fullness of this. I think I might need to keep pondering that probably for many, 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 many more years. But suddenly as I sat there and the little chapel was getting more and more noisy as a janitor came in clanging around, but suddenly it was like the thought just dropped in my mind. Yes, God came to visit and he stays. That phrase that he stays, oh my, that was what I needed so deeply in the desert. This idea that we are not left alone to face whatever it is that we face. It seems so pedestrian. It's not very smart. <laughs> it's just basic. But I needed to know that. And I carried that with me from the walls of Thessaloniki all the way to the desert of Arizona. I've loved Fred Rogers for lots of years, even before my kids. They, they kind of were in the in-between the neighborhood years. But I think he was a remarkable man. And one of the things that he was intent on doing, I think is captured in this quote of his, try your best to make goodness attractive. That's one of the toughest assignments you'll ever be given. I think it's getting tougher. I think it's tougher because right now, you all know this, right? The political agenda is that lies 
trump all other things. We can't trust anything that's coming our way. We have a culture that's based on sarcasm and cynicism and who wins and who's got the most and how do you accumulate more and you're a loser if you're kind. And I think that Mr. Rogers has tagged exactly the problem. We are teaching our kids and one another that goodness is in is what irrelevant no longer attractive we want to be strong we want to be funny we want to be attractive how many of us really say we want to be good anymore you and i i think we can do this we can try to be good we can try to teach our children to be good. We can try to teach them that goodness is attractive. It's the best thing they can be. It is way better than power. We can make goodness attractive again, not mocked, overlooked, or belittled. Simple goodness. A kind word, the effort made to greet others and to try to love them, to listen to somebody this very evening, to smile, to communicate grace. We can decide not to wait to be loved, but instead just to give it a try. To try loving the people you meet. To try loving your family and friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. Rod and I spent this past week with our five oldest grandchildren. That's between five of them, between seven and 11. No parents around, just us and them. You know elementary kids, right? They're very interested in what's fair and who did what to whom. And, and, and this conversation about goodness was really hard to keep on play. Really hard to get anybody thinking about it. I'm exhausted. <laughs> In a time of rising evil, we can insist that goodness is worth having, saving, doing. We can resist lies and name them. We can insist, we can insist that violence is not acceptable, that name-calling is immature and rude, that humans are valuable even when they behave badly that those who hurt us should not be slapped back. We can fight the evil within us and outside of us and trust in the protection that God grants. We do not do this alone because Jesus stays. This little <clears throat> proverb, I think, is worth chewing on a good bit. The most difficult battles in life are those we fight within. I'm seeing more and more that I must fight evil within me. The temptation to despair, the willingness to look away, to sit down. I'm not talking about our legitimate need for rest. God grants us rest and has made it clear that we must receive that gift. I'm talking about the pull that I certainly feel and that I certainly hear from others this pull to give up, or just not to engage. 
to convince myself that I can't do anything, so I just won't do anything. And I really believe that this is where we must resist. So how do I resist these evils? The brutality of the external world where evil is on the rise and the reality of the internal worlds where we are so prone to hide in our weakness or in our despair or our desire not to weep over the woes around us. I have to admit, when I came back from our trip and got into this whole news cycle and knew this trip to the border was coming, I just didn't want to go. It was really tempting to not go. I knew it would be hot. I don't do well in the heat. I literally get sick. And I knew I would hear stories that would sear my heart. You know the feeling, I'm sure. So what are we going to rely on? How are we going to persist today? I think we need to pray and we need to keep praying. I think we need to wrestle and we need to keep wrestling. I think we need to hold on to Jesus, the Jesus who stays, so we can also stay. Stay in the heat. Stay where the stories break us. Stay. In, Thessalon in Thessalon Thessalonians, I got so used to talking about Thessaloniki. Thessalonians 3, Paul writes, Pray, too, that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people, for not everyone is a believer, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. Remember how Jesus taught his friends to pray? Really simple language spoken to God. Rescue us from the evil one. Protect us from evil. Jesus need, knew that we would need this. He knew that we'd need it in our hearts. He knew that we would need it on our minds every day. Especially, I'd say, in these days when evil is on the rise. Oh God, protect us. We may not be strong enough or wise enough or even loving enough, but we can ask for protection and we can fight to seek good. You can, I can, we can. So the 4th of July came along not too long after these June trips. Did you go to the art museum? See the display? I had a really lovely day on the 4th of July. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you this story because I think it gets at this internal process. We'd gone to a pool in New Jersey where our son Ben and his wife Gwyneth and their boys live. And a couple other family members had come with us. We, they had races in the pool and we had lots of um, just time to kind of goof around. Then later that day, our cell had a barbecue in our backyard, and friends of friends came, and it was just this really great day. And then I went to bed that night, and I could not sleep. All through the night, I was restless. I was awake. I was 
turning and waking up Rob too often. I just couldn't get to rest. Later, the next morning in my prayer room, my mind finally got clear enough to understand. And I don't think I'm unique in this process. I think it takes us this kind of work. One of the things that we had done at that pool in New Jersey is they had these swim races, and Ollie, our seven-year-old, was very excited to compete in the seven- and eight-year-olds. So he did it, and he made it across the pool, and that was great. But then they had all these other races. They kept going up age groups. And so Kathy, our daughter-in-law, who only admitted to me, oh, gosh, what, maybe five years after she was married to Joel and after we'd been on countless beach trips, that she did not know how to swim. And so she'd learned to swim. And so she got in there with her age bracket and, uh, and swam across the pool and got second place and got a prize. So then they had the 50 and over. They called it the Olympi Olympic or the Olympian category. Right. <laughs> well, I'm going to turn 65 in a few weeks. But I got in there and I won the first race easily. I, I did a lot of swimming as a kid, a whole lot of swimming. So did that. The kids were very excited because you got to go pick out a prize when you won. So Ollie and I went and picked out a prize. And then they did more races, and they went through all of this all over again. So then I got in for the second race, and a lot more people came to the Olympic category. Younger women, women in much better shape than I. And when we started across the pool, I was wearing a, a swim shirt that was too big for me, and I had on these old swim bottoms that were kind of falling down. And so I'm kind of trying to, you know, do this. And, and I, all night I kept repeating in this tumult of my restlessness, watching my hand go forward and pull down. I did not win that race. I think I came in third, not even second. Well, why does that matter? Well, I'm a little embarrassed to admit this to you, but I came to understand that it matters to me because I have this old voice that was inserted in me when I trained for six to eight hours a day as a kid in swimming, that if you don't win, you will not be loved. It's irrational. It's stupid. I am so many years from being in shape like I was back when I was 16, but there it was again this ancient voice in me, unique to me in its own way, although I think a lot of people are inflicted by similar sorts of voices. These are the powers of evil that hold the border wall in place. And this is the power of evil that got rooted in me to lie. I don't have to win in order to be loved. But it took me all night and then reflecting the next day before I finally understood. I still think it. I still believe it. And as soon as I came to understanding that, then came the peace. It flooded through me. This is freedom and this is peace. 
And it's these that beckon me to pray at the border and to keep praying and to keep acting against the invisible forces, the evil that rises in our day. So I want to leave you with some hope from the border. This is my favorite story of hope in resisting evil from our trip into that lethal desert. Along the border wall in Douglas, Arizona, the, the wall itself, it, it's not a solid wall. It's these rod, big, strong steel rods that go along. So no person could ever fit between them. But you can string a mic cord between it. And so what they do once a year in Douglas, Arizona, with some of our partners from MCC, is they put a stage on one side, and they put a stage on the other side of the wall, and they string the mics through, and they have this grand music festival acting as if the wall is simply not there. I love that. You know, I think that we will find all kinds of creative ways joyous ways to resist the evil around us and within us if we listen to our God. He has stayed with us. God stays, and he will rescue us again and again from the evil within and the evil around us. In the midst of all of this, we will find peace. So I hope that you will join me and fight this good fight. Let's do it by singing and smiling and loving. Let's try to cling to simple goodness in all kinds of daily tasks. Let's teach each other and teach our children to love first, to admire goodness all over the world. And let's pray like Jesus taught us to pray. Would you pray with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Peace to you the peace of Jesus Christ, which passes all understanding and crosses borders. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.